Welcome uh, to our event. Uh, this is titled Growth Mindset and Inclusivity. Um, specifically, uh, we know that uh, there's a lot of people in the audience that are going to be either early career uh, software engineers or people that are trying to break into the industry. So uh, we'll make sure that we give, uh, you know, the main focus of this talk and emphasis around people that are trying to break in or are in their early career. Um, and, you know, right before uh, I get started um, and I introduce our guests today, I'm going to just give a quick intro about myself so then I can get my stuff out of the way. Uh, so again, my name is Midor, engineering manager here at Alco. And, you know, before Alco, I was an engineer at a place called Medium and I worked on their conversion surfaces. Um, and, you know, if you ever get emails or uh, rec re recommended readings from Medium, like I was the person that was behind that. So ever since then, I've transitioned over to Alco. Um, and now I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest here, Billy Gong. Uh, feel free to give a quick little intro, Billy. Welcome. Hi, I'm Billy Gong. Um, I'm a senior quality manager at um, Mosaic Finance. Uh, I was previously uh, a technical lead manager for a platform at Slack. Um, I've worked in the industry for almost, <laughs> uh, well, I've worked in the industry a long time, let's say. <laughs> Got you. Uh, thanks for the intro. So uh, speaking of which, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just start off with my first question. So I'd love to kind of just have you walk us through your background. Uh, you said you've been in tech for a minute. And, uh, you know, what did you study in college? How did you break into the tech industry? What was it like back then? So we'd just love a quick little run through before we go. So go ahead. Uh, so I got into tech kind of accidentally. Um, I was, I, I, I graduated, uh, college in the 90s with a degree in English and philosophy. And um, my idea was to go into academics. Uh, that didn't really work out. That really wasn't where I wanted to go. I got into teaching. I worked in, um, I, I worked uh, as an adult education instructor for a while. I worked in, um, it, it, it was basically uh, people in night school getting their GEDs and they work on these packets and I would sit in this learning center and help them uh, when they, when they'd get stuck with some, some sort of like reading comprehension problem, some sort of like uh, math problem. And then uh, we'd work through it together. Uh, it was a great job, but um, didn't, it, it wasn't like economically feasible or sustainable. I also, uh, that was in Southern California. I wanted to move uh, to Northern California. Uh, this was around the late nineties, like around 1997, I moved up, uh, I interviewed uh, for a QA engineer position, black box QA engineer, uh, just sort of dating me. Um, this was like windows, like I was working on, on um, testing scanner driver, uh, scanner drivers back when that was a thing, like uh, uh, companies had their own uh, device driver specifications. Uh, for like, for, in, in our case, it was like for uh, scanners that would like do commercial scanning, like high volume scanning uh, on like Windows 3.1, <laughs> the sort of operating systems that were around at the time. Um, but uh, that, that quickly got boring for me. Uh, I started learning more about uh, like we, we, we had some SDKs to build scan and view applications. I learned how to program in like uh, what were the languages at the time, which was like the new, newest thing was Java. Um, the other, the other languages were like C++ and, um, Visual Basic. Uh, from there, it, I, I went on and, uh, did QA at more like as, as, as things started moving into the cloud for like, for like more services. 
Um, Selenium started taking off at some point. Um, I, I, I jumped on sort of uh, that bandwagon, like as like Ajax was taking off, we needed a lot of front end testing. Um, I started working on that, uh, worked for a lot of different startups. Uh, I worked for some big companies too. I, I worked for Adobe, um, GoPro. Uh, wow. And, <laughs> but then gotcha. I ended up at Slack uh, uh, a few years ago um, gotcha. and moved more towards the management side of things. Yeah, so I was gonna say like, since you do have that historical context of like being in the Bay in the 90s and being in tech and all the changes you must have seen over time, I would love to kind of hear about how that environment was back in the 90s, being an engineer, a QA person, just being in this setting overall. Um, and like what kind of methodologies were there? Like I'm sure there was, it was more waterfall than it is now. So we'll love to kind of hear about like what it was on the inside there. Yeah, like uh, so before like, I. I would say like well into like the 2000s, like everything was sort of like on a waterfall methodology. And even when we moved towards like agile, it was like, it ended, <laughs> it didn't really work out as agile as people intended. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of- It still doesn't. Yeah, it still doesn't. It's still like some sort of hybrid, but like, uh, yeah, there were a lot of, I pulled a lot of all nighters. Like that was, that was like a thing back then, like where you'd go in on like a Thursday and you leave on like a Saturday after you've just worked straight for like three days to get this release out. Um, a lot of times, like, you know, this is before AWS or like hosted services. Like sometimes the server is like right there, like the product you're working on, you have to like, you'll, you'll be there for the deploy. Hardly anything's wow. automated. Right. And like, there's a sun server in your, in like in, in a closet somewhere where you're just deploying like in this on your floor in the same building. Yeah. Yeah. It was wow. pretty, it was, that was, that was, that was kind of a thing. It was, it was, it was pretty like, uh, you know, it was kind of the wild, wild west back then. There, there's a lot of stuff like people say a lot of bad things about like Amazon or whatever, but like, I'm thankful for a lot of things they do provide. Yeah. I was going to say like, you also had mentioned like when we last chatted about this about, how like rockstar programmers were like a real thing and yeah it was a concept yeah like uh that it, it, it was it was like like sort of a model thing to have like some sort of rockstar programmer right like uh there's everybody was instead of being in like sort of these open offices everyone was in a cube everyone was in or like everyone had some some places like microsoft had everyone had an office and that was that was like sort of like the policy at, at, at some of the companies I worked in where everybody was just sort of locked off. It wasn't a very um, collaborative culture or the, the process wasn't as collaborative as it is now, especially like just the ba basis of like having scrum right like or, or Kanban just just the transparency there just wasn't a thing then. And it was just like you just sort of wait uh, sometimes there, there'd be some people you just never see. They just, you just see a check-in and all of a sudden like, oh, that's the rock star, this big check-in that comes in. Like, and if you do that now, right? You, it you would know, just, it yeah, would just it, 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 it'd like, okay, we're not gonna, I don't think we're gonna merge this PR. It's gonna break everything. Right, right. So speaking of now then, I would love to kind of uh, get a quick rundown of your recent roles at Mosaic and Slack and you know, how it's way different than way before. Um, well, I think the main thing was like uh, when I was first in the industry, 
I didn't have, so obviously I, I, I had a background in English and like that wasn't really helpful when it came to coding and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And it was also like, um, it, it, I, I would say that like working in those environments, it wasn't really encouraged that, 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 I, that, that I would develop in those skills in a way, in, in a collaborative way. I used to like, uh, for example, like I was gonna work on a Java toolkit. What did I have to do? I had to go get an O'Reilly book and like, I had to go read I'd go read about Java, like if that, this was before Stack Overflow or, you know, Udemy or any, any sort of like Yeah, I can't even language. imagine that as being a yeah. sort of new person. It was like you'd, you'd go to java.sun.com and like you'd, you could look up documentation. That was the best you could do. But um, yeah, and it was like, it wasn't like I could just ask developers without looking kind of stupid. Like there was like this sort of like, um, this sort of attitude of like, uh, it wasn't that people weren't encouraging. It just, it was just odd to like go in and say like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a student here. I want to learn on the job, like how to do this. And um, it was, it, it, there, there wasn't much encouragement for that, for those types from, from management um, at the best, like maybe you get like um, they would subsidize a, a course for you to take at their extension or something. Um, and I think like now, uh, especially at Slack, uh, when, when, when I was at Slack, uh, one thing I enjoyed, really enjoyed, that, that I still really love about Slack is that they have a stated, uh, they have a stated goal to get underrepresented and underserved communities into tech. And um, one of those programs was like the Year Up program. There was an initiative to get like, um, which, which is this great internship program, which where you can get you can get trained in different aspects of tech, um, and um, a lot of them ended up in QA, and um, it was it was great to just be able to mentor people, and be able to like uh, have like have it okay to ask questions, have it okay to say I'm learning this, what's the best way to do, or what's what's wrong with the way I'm approaching this, and like what's what's a better way, or like. Um, how can we do this together? And then it, it that lends into like um, having that sort of collaborate collaboration, like even for more senior, uh, uh, more technically inclined people or, or, or more people at, 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 at higher like levels, right? It, 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 it creates a more collaborative and, and supportive environment. Um, gotcha. Yeah. And aside from like a year up, I, I wanted to mention last mile, uh, having the formerly incarcerated, come in as interns, get trained, and also like be able to work on, you know, work as engineers at, at Slack. I thought, I thought that was a great thing that like, there was this sort of uh, uh, democratization of like these roles. That's, that's amazing. And I think like one thing I can kind of say about Alco is one thing we're trying to do is literally democratize access to the tech industry, uh, especially for communities that need uh, those keys to unlocking tech interviews the most, right? Uh, that's something we're going to definitely try to focus on uh, more and more uh, as we start to like build our team and scale our programs. So uh, definitely like nice to hear that uh, you got involved with those initiatives at Slack, um, which kind of uh, just takes me back to the main topic of this conversation. So again, thanks for that lovely intro. Uh, what I want to bring back up again is that we're going to have a lot of people that are breaking into tech or early career in tech in the audience today. So um, 
I would kind of love to uh, focus the conversation uh, for those people and just have a discussion that might be the most useful for them. Um, so I know the topic of this uh, talk is growth mindset and inclusivity. We touched on inclusivity a little bit just now. Uh, in terms of the growth mindset, right, I would just love to get, uh, you know, a quick sort of elevator pitch on what is the growth mindset according to you, and then we can go from there. Okay, um, so a growth mindset, so like what I described before of like going in and not being able to ask, having to learn on my own, um, that sort of like showed people following a fixed mindset. And I, I, and I probably had that for myself as well. Like I thought that like, you know, you have this sort of innate intelligence and you have this sort of innate potential that you can act on or not. And, but you can only go so far. And um, it, I felt it, 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 it might seem that way. Uh, but like, I think there, there's, there's also growth mindset, which is more of a practicing mindset. Um, the way I see code and I'm not the greatest coder. I mean, I'm, I'm able to, I'm able to be dangerous with it, like very dangerous, but, um, I like that. <laughs> I, I, I know enough, but the way I see code is that there there's, there's people who do have an innate talent for co for coding. And like you, you do see those, those people, you do see those rock stars. And I'm not saying that they don't have value that, that they do, that, that there are people who are brilliant. But code is also like, uh, and I'm sure a lot of the a, a lot of the listeners will will probably relate to this. It's it's something that you can practice and get good at. It's it's something you can sit in a classroom, and if you have like, if if you don't subscribe to this implicit sort of like mindset, you 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 can grow and like you can be. There's a lot of times where you don't have the opportunities that other people have to be a rock star, right? You don't. I, so, some like I, I didn't go to school for computer science. A lot of people didn't go to school either. Some of them were incarcerated. Some of them might have come from like a, 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 an economic background that didn't allow that, or they might have like come from a like some sort of like background where where where, where they didn't have a computer. I mean that that's a huge thing, right? But you can sit down and you can approach you can approach coding the same way you approach learning a language, learning, learning, learning to read or learning to write, you can sit down and you can practice it and you can, and you can become like competent and then you can become like more than competent. You can become, you can, you can explore your talent in it. And I, I think that's sort of what matches a growth mindset. There's a book by a, a psychologist named Carol Dweck. And I think it's called the growth mindset, but um, it goes more deep into that. But um, that's sort of the Got basic so idea. The growth mindset by Carol. Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. D-W-E-C-K, cool. So yeah, definitely check that out for those of us that are, you know, trying to grow in our careers. And I would say that like one great segue for this is, um, so how does, how do you sort of implement the growth mindset within your teams and, you know, help uh, people sort of get better at their current roles and help them level up? And this could be some great advice for people who are earlier on in their careers, right? You just got into your uh, tech job and all of a sudden you have this new code base to learn, these new responsibilities. You have a few tickets coming in. You maybe start doing some early bugs that are given to you, right? How do you sort of start there and, you know, build the skills necessary, have the necessary conversations with your manager to like progress that and, and you know, work towards that first little raise or first promotion 
um, how did you implement that in your teams? We'd love to kind of hear all your thoughts around uh, those things. I think as an individual contributor, I think something very important to do is to find a mentor, like both a career mentor and a technical mentor. And like, um, as a manager, I, I, I preferred the technical mentorship. Like that was, that was what kept me going with like, that's, that's, that's where my interest was like for, for, for all the things I've described. Um, I think it, it, it owes back to that, my background in education and like um, just, when I was working in adult school and like I was, and, and we were working on, I was working on packets with like, like, like people that were like very motivated. Like uh, if, if, if somebody's going to night school after work to get their GED, they really want that GED. The same thing happens like, uh, like at Slack, for example, um, I had, I, I mentored several uh, uh, Europe interns as well as like many junior junior level um, QA engineers, they, they, it, it was like, we could approach this like as practice. And like, one thing I did was within my team, I instituted like a workshop, a weekly workshop. And that could be something as simple as like, okay, we're gonna go over Node.js this week for people who are interested in like, you know, uh, uh, promises you've never let, 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 let's 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 mess with these asynchronous functions um, the next week it might be oh look there's this new language called 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 go or there's this new language called rust and like we can we can make these test applications with that how do how are we going to do that and like um, either I would give an overview on that or like somebody else who had an interest in it would give an overview on it and, and uh, just to clarify a little bit, are you talking about just Node in general, or maybe how Node shows up in like, oh, for example, I guess, Slack code base? Yeah, I guess those are two very different things, you know. Yeah, I guess like yeah, I'm, that that's kind of misleading. It's not like we have all those. It's not like 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 um, you know, Slack had also like a Go server as well as. Um, uh, when you're testing the platform, you're testing uh, APIs, and like um, a lot of times, you create server-side apps that, that that sort of exercise these APIs, and like um, a lot of that, a lot of the work I did involved um, creating test applications uh, for specific features. And um, the thing is, since it's a uh, the, the 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 API is pretty agnostic as far as like that's concerned, since it's sort of like a REST-ish. Um, API. Uh, so we were able to explore all those different um, sort of frameworks for it. Gotcha, gotcha. So it is more focused on like more internal code based stuff rather than just, yes. hey guys, here's how Node works. Like, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, yeah, I, I, th that, that would have been a little like free. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I wanted to clarify for those yeah, of us that were there was, there was a practical reason for that. I wasn't just like conducting like uh, my own boot camp or whatever. Um, Understood. <laughs> I think like a lot of the things that, you know, before I broke into the industry myself, um, a lot of the times when I heard things like that, I'd be like, oh, wow. So they're just like doing no and these basic things I've already heard about before. But like for those of us that haven't had a role, and especially an engineering role at uh, companies that have like these really large code bases with um, even something as small as, you know, um, building a feature that displays a birth date for a user, something as small as that can be a daunting task. So um, I think what Billy's talking about is doing internal workshops uh, within uh, the code base that would be, you know, in this gigantic Slack code base, the small little part 
not even the small little part, the decently sized part that Billy would be in charge of. It'd be different things that are different components of that where those workshops would be happening. So doing that for your team so they can level up on those different skills that's required so you all can build those features and those testing uh, service together. So that's kind of what we're talking about here. Exactly. Got it. So um, I guess uh, one question that I have again um, is, uh, so you said find a mentor, right? Um, one thing that like I kind of mistook in my first job at Medium was uh, I did not realize that your manager is kind of supposed to be that person a little bit, right? As someone who hasn't had no like family member or anyone else that has like been in this space, you know, in the Bay, in a tech job at like a well-known tech company. Um, and I never had an internship in college either because um, again, for a quick background on myself, um, I'm someone with an alternative background as well. I dropped out of school in 2015, went to a bootcamp myself, uh, did some freelance work and then that's how I broke into uh, my first role. And, you know, walk in, I have this new manager, um, Andrew. I don't know if he's here somehow, but if you are a great person, but I actually didn't know that, like, when Andrew would ask me questions, like, hey, man, how's it going? Like, um, how's your first few tasks? Um, I would kind of take that as, like, it's going well, I got it, you know? And that would be my answer. And, and what I didn't know at the time was I'm actually supposed to ask him questions and let him know that if I don't understand something, I bring that up in a real conversation. And that's something I didn't do very early on because I thought that this person was trying to check me instead of looking out for me. So that's, like, a headspace that I was in. Um, how do you kind of break that for people that haven't had uh, that background and are kind of coming in for the first time? I'm sure you um, may have seen that with people in first year and those other organizations you work with. It's hard. Yeah, everybody wants to be the rock star, right? Everybody wants to come in and say like, oh, look, he just did this check-in or she just did this check-in and like, look how awesome this is. But the, the truth is software, it's, it's a collaborative project. And um, there's a lot of not, I mean, it's not just that there's a lot of eyes on it. There's a lot of different, like when you're working with, 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 with a project that's very complicated, especially like Slack or something where it's, it's complicated and there's a lot of people using it. You, you, you're working with a lot of different aspects of code and you have, to, you, have to, you have to be able to know how to work with these people and you have to know how to work with your manager as well. And you gotta, you, your manager, should have should know where you fit in technically um and it's not even so much like transparency with your manager but it's like you have to be able to trust them at some point right if, you, if you're if you're if you're if you're going in and you're being if you're like oh i'm not going to ask this question because i'm going to look dumb that's um you know that's that's sort of shooting yourself in the foot it's like you're 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 sort of it's like you're pushing this fixed mindset on yourself, right? Right. I think like if there's any one thing that anyone in the audience can take from this conversation, it is that when you are in that first role and you are in this space, um, I was personally told that like no question is a dumb question. And I know a lot of people say that, right? Almost every like senior level engineer or mid-level engineer, they'd be like, oh, it's like your first four months. Welcome to the team. Never had a tech job before. How's it going, right? Um, they would always say like, nah, man, it's cool. Like no question is a dumb question, but it really didn't sit with me until like a while later. Cause I'm like, I should have asked these things earlier on and I just didn't want to look stupid. I think the best thing you can do is literally you go into that conversation with your manager and be like, look, um, I know I need to do this very simple task of fixing this really small bug. However, I don't understand these eight things and these seven little spots where 
um, something is linking to something else. And I don't know where, I don't know how the service there is connected either. You ask those questions early on. I think like that is the best thing you can do for yourself in terms of understanding the code base you're working in, um, understanding the little, um, you know, nooks and um, subtleties of whatever uh, sort of stack you're working into. Um, something I did not do. Um, uh, definitely some great advice uh, that Billy's giving here for those of us that are in those positions. Um, anything you want to add to that, Billy? Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it, the software, like when you're working on a project, it's, it's bigger than, as big as your ego is, the software is bigger. <laughs> and, it's, it, and, and you can do a lot more damage. <laughs> Got you. So um, again, uh, you said you have an alternate background as well, like you don't have a CS degree, right? A lot of people that are also in that trying to break into the space um, as an engineer uh, may not have a CS degree, may have gone to a boot camp, may have taken some uh, courses online. Um, and, you know, so instead of like the O'Reilly book, now it's Udemy, right? Mm -hmm. So for people that are going through that transition, um, would love to hear about like uh, what happened to you while you were making that transition early on and any advice you have for them as well. I have to say that like, um, I, 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 I did a lot of things because I was afraid of disappointment. And um, I think like, so part of the thing about like letting your ego go when you come in and like look for a mentor. Another thing is to let your ego go and like it, it, prepare yourself like, like, or just, just sort of change the context around like, around like um, your experiences and like um, instead of framing things as disappointment, just think of them as learning experiences. Like I've, I've gone through those technical interviews where like, I just bombed them, right? Like where, or where you, you, you know, when you, when you go in and you're like, I'm not able to like reverse this, this binary tree on this whiteboard with three people watch. I mean, the truth is it's, it's, that's, um, that, that, that ultimately that doesn't measure any real skills. I mean, it, it, it measures something very specific, like how you can like right. talk through this, this sort of problem on a whiteboard, but. And it's pure navigation, right? Like you can kind of um, reverse engineer that whole process. And yeah. And basically, yeah, go ahead. And I do, I, I see the value. I, I love going on to code wars and like, you know, all those sites and like, 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 you know, messing with the technical questions there, but the, 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 the there's such a specific and narrow thing. Whereas like the work you do, like on a team, it's very different. Like it's not, it, it's never like that, right? Like I- Almost that's never. Why, <laughs> yeah, that's why when I do a tech, I conduct a technical interview, I'll do something like I'll have somebody review a PR or like we'll, we'll do a take home assignment where they actually do a project or something. I always feel like that's a better measure, but like um, don't, don't be discouraged when you, you're, you're encountered with this sort of like this, this tough challenge because I mean, the idea sure. is that they, they are going to break you down. Right. And like, um, right. they just want to see how you can handle it or like, if you can like, yeah. that, that, that's, that's not necessarily a measure of skill that, that might be a measure of like luck even. Right. Right. And yeah, one thing I want to say is like, not a lot of people who are like managing teams, um, like you'll be lucky to have a manager like Billy because they actually believe in, uh, doing actual practical things in these, uh, technical interviews. However, that's like not the case most of the times. Um, you know, during the time I was freelancing myself, um, again, I, uh, Billy, you know this, I applied to like over 500 places. I got like 316 rejections. I still have them in my inbox. I did like 103 phone interviews, uh, around 15 on-sites, and then I finally got my offer. 
And that's mainly because that whole time, right, going through these phone calls, going through these on-sites, I was purely just learning how to navigate this interview process. Um, something that Alco does is actually help us break down that process, right? Uh, we're all about uh, trying to, uh, again, give people the keys on how to break that process. As somebody that, you know, did all these interviews, um, just wanted to pass that on uh, to people that are trying to break into the industry. So um, I believe Alco is going to be having info sessions for those of us that are in the audience uh, and you want to get more details about the program as well. So uh, feel free to uh, uh, let us know. Uh, oh, I think there's a poll right here. If you would love to join uh, Alco's info sessions about, um, you know, what we can do uh, to help you guys unlock um, this interview process for yourself, um, you know, feel free to go ahead and fill out that poll. Uh, other than that, while that's happening, um, Billy, I would love to hear about, um, you know, one of your mentors in the past and how they helped you and shaped you into uh, a manager that also wants to, uh, you know, develop the growth mindset amongst their teams. That's going to be hard because a lot of the work I did, I mean, I, I didn't have that sort of, like I, I, like I said, like I came in that, that wasn't really like, like some, something that, 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 that really was, it just wasn't a thing. It wasn't, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a thing. Yeah. Um, right. I guess like my biggest mentors are like the people, like, like, like reports I've had or teammates I've had that, 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 that have been examples of this sort of success. I, 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 I the, the thing I love most about being a manager is when someone leaves my team, right? Like uh, I was managing QA engineers and like there's people leaving my team because they're going to be a front end dev or they're going to be like a back end dev or like maybe they're going to go into management or something. That's to me, that's, that's great. Like, and it's not like they did that because of my mentorship. They did that because they were going to do that either way. They're they're If they're, if they're motivated, they're going to do something like that. But like, um, you know, got it's, you. So it's like good to be growth, there for your part. Growth in QA, I was going to say, so growth in QA usually looks like you're exiting the QA team and being more like of a product. It product. could be, it could yeah. be. I mean, a, a lot of times, um, a lot of people think that like, oh, like the next logical step is to go into dev or to go into um, management. But then sometimes, you know, that might lead to people who like shouldn't be managers becoming managers or like people who shouldn't be devs. Uh, for myself, I enjoy like uh, uh, doing all aspects of like uh, engineering services and like, um, it's just like you can, you, you, there, there, you, there's a lot of different ways you can, you can go. Um, gotcha. But uh, I, I, I do, I do like seeing people getting motivated and like moving the direction they want to go. Yeah. And like I, when, when I do see people like moving into a front end position because that, and they, they use QA as a stepping stone to get there, that there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's cool too. Um, gotcha. I wouldn't recommend that career wise. I would recommend just going after whatever you wanted to immediately. Right. And like just, I mean, I'm sure you can relate to that with, with, with your trajectory. Right, right, right. So I was going to say as someone who actually like hasn't been in a QA role and hasn't had exposure to like a full blown like QA team, right? Uh, just wanted to say like, um, or just wanted to ask you actually, if you have any fun stories around working in QA, cause I'm sure like, you know, for example, like the code base blowing up at 3am or any of those cases that you may have run into in the past, would love to hear. I feel like the stock wouldn't be complete without those. Yeah. Um, every single QA engineer will tell you about the time they discovered what a SQL injection is. 
and um gotcha. yeah and so like uh yeah i i think when i when i discovered what what a sql injection is um i i went uh i, I was working on a web product at the time where like if you add like a, a semicolon you could add like um uh your sql statement and like it'll it'll run against like the database unguarded i went in dropped tables and i destroyed the um the staging environment uh wow. yeah i think i think a lot of people have done with, with a few uh, statements the whole staging environment yeah yeah drop users or whatever got you got you so uh, and like this app you said like this app this happened to every qa engineer ever i think i think when people discover it they do try it out i think it, i think now it's like it's very difficult to like to like actually do that kind of damage but this was in like this was this was a while back before there were the sort of like rails in place right like with, with with all these frameworks we use yeah got you so i was gonna say actually uh we have around uh 40 people in the audience uh would love for y'all to uh go to the q a section and um i think it's pretty decent time and we can take some questions from the audience at the moment so uh if you've got questions for billy uh or myself uh please feel free to post it in the chat i'm sure some of y'all are eager to ask them um i think Richie, you may have to unlock that. Let me know. All right. I don't see anything in the, uh, in the Q and A yet, so I can just keep going down my list. Um, so I was going to say like, what does hiring look like from your perspective? Right. Um, just, what do you, what do you look for in your team uh, during those interviews um you know in those spaces how do you value candidates all that stuff oh that's a good question um so it's it, it it's it's very different like uh organization to organization a lot of times um i mean for like the big problem is that you don't have the headcount that you need to hire and then a lot of times uh, you'll, you'll just be given notice, oh, we have this much budget and you just run and grab it. And like you, you, you try to get somebody to fill the seat as soon as you can. Um, it's, it's, I mean, that can be like, you know, that, that, that can be a good or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. But um, right. ultimately when it comes to hiring, I try to um, like, it, it, it's sort of what I described before. I, I, I try to find somebody who, who can work collaboratively and like work on the team. Um, technical skills are great, but like um, the way I see it, like, you know, you can always learn something. You can always like practice something until uh, uh, we, you, you just want to evaluate somebody for their, for their potential or for their like, um, not necessarily their, their, their innate skills for some, for something, but like just their drive and like their, their willingness and motivation to learn something. Um, I think a lot of times, uh, there, there were a lot of times where um, I've interviewed a candidate where they weren't able technically or like for whatever reason, they were not good for the role, where I went back to HR and said like, we would be making a mistake if we didn't hire this person for another role. And those people ended up on like, maybe not my team, but other teams. Um, that's, that's also like subject to the, the organization you're hiring for. Or, or what their practices are, but like, um, yeah, it's, 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 
I, I think you can practice in inclusivity like and also this growth mindset when it comes to hiring as well and when it comes to growing and like um, planning out the, the, the trajectory of your team. Got you. And yeah, I was going to say like, I would also, um, I'm going to kind of like break down what potentially uh, this looks like on the engineering manager slash hiring manager side. Those of us that are trying to break in that are like afraid to apply to jobs, um, you know, because you see these like super packed descriptions of like, um, we're going to need someone with, you know, four years of experience and they need to have all these little frameworks and technologies. So what I'm going to do is real quick, just break down how that looks. So you have engineering managers like myself or Billy, right? And someone on their team leaves or uh, joins a different team for whatever reason. And then it's kind of a rush, right? Because you said that you want to hire someone ASAP. So what happens usually is that we have kind of like this um, KR to meet uh, for the whole uh, quarter. And there are certain features and deliverables that we need to deliver on. So you want to make sure that you fill that spot as soon as possible. So what we do is we kind of go on the internet um, find a new description of like a, of a very similar description to the role that we're looking for. And we copy and paste it and we kind of fill it into all the little frameworks and technologies that we use on our team. Right. And then it kind of gets sent to the HR person and they throw it up on like lever or whichever platform it is that might be using. Um, but what this does is it actually draws away a lot of people that could be potentially great fits. Right. Uh, because people see these large descriptions. They're like, well, I don't have, four years of experience using this specific framework. Um, and what all, all the hiring is, it's just a conversation. So your best bet is actually to just apply, right? And see what the conversation is like, because you're not gonna get a good understanding of the role that's being looked at unless you actually like apply, you hit up the recruiter. And you know, um, again, there's obviously like sometimes this initial like, um, filter of like, well, we definitely need someone that's got seven years to five years and you seem someone who's more junior, right? But more often than not, um, if you have a, if you have a solid technical background, um, they are going to want to know, uh, you know, what your background is, what you can contribute to the way this whole thing works is engineering managers have like list of seven to 10 things that we need this new person to do. Right. Um, if you're somebody that can do three to four of them, right. You can do two of them. Right. It's totally cool uh, to kind of have you come in maybe at a junior setting at first and help you go into the other seven or eight. Uh, this happened to myself. I applied for a senior role and I was clearly not senior. And maybe about a week before I interviewed, they had opened up a more junior role that they were looking for. Had I not applied to that role, I would have never known about it or had that conversation or ended up at this onsite for a role that was not even the role I initially applied for. And this happens all the time, right? So the best thing like I would recommend for someone that's trying to break into the industry is actually like apply a lot and have those conversations with a lot of people because all applications are, are just conversations. And I think when you make that mental switch, you'll be able to like kind of navigate this hiring process better. I uh, just wanted to kind of give uh, my two cents there. Uh, I see there's more questions in uh, the Q and A. So I'm gonna go ahead and ask them just down the list. So we have a question from someone named Tina and they say, I sometimes question myself if I belong in the tech industry. I'm not, I'm not passionate about coding like other folks are. I don't work on side projects uh, and don't think about coding in my free time. I like my job because there are challenging problems and I enjoy solving them, but I don't love coding. Will this be a challenge for me uh, to become a good engineer? Bill, you want to take a stab at that one? Wow. Um, I, 
I, I don't think it would be a challenge to become a good engineer. I mean, I think, I think you can, I, I don't think that, that like not being passionate about it doesn't mean you can't become proficient at it. No, I mean, I think, I think it's, it's a matter of discipline and it's a matter of like, like, like focusing in on, on the things you feel you're, you're not as strong on and like um, how to, how to focus on and also how to showcase uh, what strengths you do have. Um, but also like uh, it, it is being an engineer the only thing in this industry? I don't think so. Like there's, there's other, other ways you can like, you, you, there's other things or other disciplines you can get into like with a background in engineering that, that, that you could just easily like take on. Like uh, maybe design is another thing. Maybe um, you want to get into QA, right? Like you might want to, you, 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 you might be able to uh, get in on like automating or like, like creating like, like sort of like um, infrastructure as far as like, um, apps are concerned as far as like, in, instead of like focusing on, on these sort of like uh, uh, user facing projects. Yeah. And like something I want to add to that is basically um, personally, like I got into the tech industry because I used to just love making uh, little apps and websites and specifically I was very design focused. So I would love to make things that look good and feel good to use on the user perspective, like just from the user's perspective. And, uh, you know, once you kind of break into the industry and you get that first professional engineering role, uh, I kind of realized like, yo, this is mostly, um, I, I do a very small component of this large system. And uh, what it becomes is there's new tickets that come in that are bugs that need to be fixed. There's new tickets that are created for new product, uh, the new product features we're trying to build, right? And it's basically like we have a list of these seven requirements for this new feature. And then I kind of become someone that, is building this feature to like make sure it hits these seven requirements and it's very transactional, right? That's kind of how, what I experienced in, in my career so far. Um, so it really wasn't, uh, so what I was doing on a daily basis at Medium wasn't necessarily like what made me break into this industry, right? I wasn't uh, the person that was creating a beautiful interface. I had a few glimpses of doing that, but again, I'm not the person that's designing what it looks like, right? I get a Figma file. Uh, for how it, sh how it should look like, what the images should be. Uh, I don't think like my opinion would matter too much, too much. I think we had, um, it would matter from like an engineering perspective, like, yo, we can't make it this big or we can't make it in this position, but I wouldn't have much say on the design of the UI. And uh, that would be kind of frustrating because I'm like, yo, I'm actually super passionate about doing that work. But that's like some roadblocks that I ran into where I had to be cool with just being the implementer of certain things. And so I just want to say that like what you, uh, the, the stuff that you love doing at first, you may not get to do as much of that when you are in those roles, but that doesn't mean like you shouldn't do them because like there's always a scope within companies internally to, uh, you know, as long as you're doing the core role that you have, you can kind of like experiment around things. Uh, we had a hackathon and I was able to do some design work for the brand team during that hackathon. So those are cool little things. But uh, one thing you should know is that when you do get hired for these roles, there's that specific sort of fit that you're hired for. And it's really important to like uh, make sure that that role is something you enjoy doing for the most part. It won't be perfect, but for the most part. So that's kind of like my two cents on that. Um, I also am reminded of like a coworker I had who was a very senior level engineer um, and uh, like probably one of the more senior people in, in the organization he was in. And 
it, it was like he, he had a lot of eyes on him. He made a lot of technical decisions that were almost like architectural level decisions or, or when it came to like uh, creating new features and stuff. But he did not like it. He didn't, he, there, there were aspects of the job he didn't like. And it was like, he, he ended up going into sales engineering where he'd make like, um, he, he'd make implementations or integrations for, for customers and like just so, sort of sh show them off with the sales team. And that was, and he loved that. And I mean, there's a lot of different roles is what I'm saying that, that, that you can move into. It doesn't, it like, it, it doesn't have to be one, any one thing that you're going to do. And, um, if you do it, if, if there are like, you might want to identify the, the problems that you like to solve, that the, the things you want to dedicate yourself towards. And maybe there's, maybe there's a different role somewhere that, that, that sort of is more focused on that as opposed to the coding. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And I think like, you don't have to necessarily love every part of it because I remember like there'd be senior engineers that were like just really good at their one function and their, um, and you know, all the, all the other features and, things that spun off of that and they'd come in, they'd do their thing. And then, you know, um, they're home and we're talking about watching whatever show on Netflix and like the Netflix channel that we had on Slack. Right. So very much becomes a job and that's a part of the journey. I would say, uh, next question I see here is how can we encourage team members to develop the growth mindset? Um, I know we touched on the elements of this, but we'd love to kind of get a refresher, Billy. I would, um, I think the best way to encourage people to develop this mindset is to lead by example. Go ahead and practice this, this growth mindset. See if you can like um, introduce like technical workshops to your team that you can drive. Invite other people to, to like, like get, 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 take the joy of growth and like sort of like uh, get other people on board with you. I mean, I, I think the easiest way is, is, is obviously to convince your manager to like sort of like get on board with it. But um, yeah, absolutely. Just, just lead by example. Yeah. And I would say that like one thing um, that I try to do on an everyday basis is when I see someone kind of following like anti patterns that might like seem like they're in a fixed mindset, I try to like uh, just sort of kill those thoughts. Right. So um, whenever I'm having a conversation or having one-on-ones with uh, people on my team, um, and they mentioned like, well, I don't know if I can uh, give this lecture. I don't know if I can uh, contribute to the code base in this way. Um, it's about kind of getting to the bottom of that situation and really figuring out what it is that's holding them back um, or having them have those thoughts, right? Um, more often than not, like we're gonna have a lot of super smart colleagues that we're gonna be working with. Um, but you know, a lot of things kind of get in the way of that, right? Uh, there's maybe something that they haven't done in the past or there's maybe something uh, that they don't have much confidence in, right? And, you know, just making sure you give them the space and hold space for them as well um, to sort of make mistakes and that that being okay, right? I think that's another great way to kind of get people um, to, you know, when it comes to practically doing the work they need to do, right? Um, holding space for their mistakes is another uh, thing that I would recommend. So um, another question I see uh, in the chat is any advice how to add experience for open source in your resume? Very specific question, but I don't know, Billy, if you've had background with open source or any advice you have there. But oh yeah, um, definitely. I mean, add any GitHub GitHub repos that you contribute to on your your resume. Um, I think like uh, a, an important thing to do with your resume is to tell a story. 
and keep that in mind. How does that fit into your story? Like there's, there's your story of like your career, like the jobs you've worked in, but your hobbies and like the, 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 the open source projects you contribute to are, are, are also a part of that as well. I think um, you should have like a link to those. You should have like, um, you should have a place where people can try those out. I mean, if it's applicable, like it, it would be great if you could just like, if, if, if they could like just click through and see like this, this app, right? This running app of like, of something you've worked on. I've, if, if I were hiring, I, I, I would definitely take a look at that. And that would, that would show like, um, th that would definitely be um, evidence of somebody who's motivated and also very interested in the field they work in. Yeah, so uh, one, uh, one sort of situation where I get this question a lot is, um, you know, people that are trying to break into like the more well-known companies or the more larger companies, right? Um, you'll see that a lot of them, like especially the, the well-known ones, right? Have a pretty decent like contribution towards the open source space in general. Um, so like, for example, off the top of my head, I know like Airbnb has like a great open source sort of suite of things that they're building, uh, Facebook, all those places, right? Um, one way that I've seen a lot of people uh, kind of add that experience is uh, I remember I had this one uh, client who really wanted to work at this specific team that was, I believe they were contributing to React. So what they did was they kind of found, they went to the repository of like the open source platform. They found all the, all the issues, right? Uh, similar to working in larger code bases, a lot of the large open source projects are actually a great way to get exposure to what it's like to work in a large code base that's like industry standard, right? So what you'll potentially see is um, if you go on those repositories that all these companies have open source projects with, uh, in the issues tab, you'll see all the things that they are trying to solve right now, right? Um, and, and especially the bigger projects like React or like even some of the smaller projects, um, I can't remember any single one off the top of my head, but there's some really cool uh, little things that companies build. I know like Khan Academy has one, which is, called KTEX or KTech. I feel like, um, you know, like LaTeX, the, um, the font where you can do math equations. So Khan Academy made like an open source uh, thing called KTech where um, you can literally uh, codify uh, math equations and, and, you know, make it more front end focused. So if I type a math equation, I can, you know, display it on, this, on the server or whatever. Um, and, you know, like that, that sort of open source repository had a lot of different issues. Um, and I had somebody that actually uh, went in and fixed a few of the issues uh, and made a few pull requests on those issues. And they started having a conversation with the person that works on that team and they ended up getting hired on that team. So that could be a great sort of way to whichever companies you're a fan of, uh, potentially going on their open source pages and actually working with the developers and contributing to those. Um, even one to two issues uh, that you can fix on there could contribute to uh, you getting a job at you know those particular teams that you may want to work for so uh, that's a few things i have to offer uh advice regarding open source projects um but i think like for those of us that are looking for general hiring advice um i think the best thing you can do for yourself is build more of a systemized hiring process right and when i say systemized hiring process i mean am i doing these five things every day that's going to get me closer to an offer right a lot of us that haven't broken into the industry just yet, right? Uh, we get those initial struggles where like, well, no one's replying to me because I don't have an experience. I may be from an alternative background, so they don't see, they don't see the CS degree there as well. I don't have internships, right? Um, how do you kind of break that? It's doing a few things every day, right? 
Um, if you want to get a job in tech, uh, the great place to start is applying to jobs in tech, right? If you apply to five jobs every day, you're going to hear back from one eventually, right? It's the only way to kind of have that. I think a mindset that people don't break is they see that list of that huge list of requirements, right? And, uh, they don't apply or don't even start that conversation because they're like, well, I'm going to get good at all of these 10 things and then I'm going to apply in a month. And by the time you do that's that position is filled. So, um, uh, one thing I used to do back in the day was apply to about a hundred places every day. Uh, not every day, sorry. Every Saturday I would apply to a hundred places and you know, by Monday or Tuesday I would hit, I would hear back from like eight or nine and then I would have like four phone screens scheduled for the week after and you know, go from there. So, um, um, you know, a great sort of blueprint to follow is apply to five jobs and do like two practice problems. Um, if you do that systematically, it's a great way to like move forward. Uh, one thing we also are doing is having a weekend accelerator uh, to kind of give you all the skills of, um, you know, doing those early sort of steps that you can follow in order to have a systemized hiring process. Uh, we'll be going over all the advice you need on the career side, fixing up your resume, um, you know, how to reverse recruit, um, how to, uh, do those dynamic programming questions, um, system design questions, all those things. So, um, if that's something that's interesting to you, there's another poll that we have right now, uh, and you can potentially sign up for that. Um, for those of us that are looking to break in one more time. Um, let's see, we got around seven minutes. Billy, is there anything we didn't talk about that you'd love to touch on? Um, no, uh, but you know, I just, I just wanted to, uh, point out that like, I never thought I'd be doing this sort of stuff. I never thought I'd be a manager. I never thought I'd be working in tech. Right. Um, my dad was a butcher. I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't, I, it wasn't even clear that I was going to go to college. Uh, it's, it's, it, it's okay. It's okay to humble yourself. And like, um, it doesn't matter what your background is that you, you can get there. I just, I just want to encourage all of you to just sort of like um, go and follow that. Yeah. Um, and like I said, like, it's not something that's, it's something that is possible. Right. Um, and it's really easy to get discouraged early in the process. I remember like back in 2017, it was October. I had applied to my first like big name job, right. I applied to Pinterest for like their apprenticeship, I believe. Um, they had like a software engineering apprenticeship. I don't know if that's still going, but I was super excited to kind of like work there. Cause I like loved the front end and I kind of went off. I was like, I'm going to do this coding challenge and make it look just like the Pinterest website. And I was super excited. Um, I was able to make it to the onsite, which was crazy because like it was the first job I ever applied to. And uh, I didn't get the offer at the onsite and I was very, very discouraged. I was like, man, I can't believe that they didn't think I was good enough. Like whoever they hired definitely does not have this design and code combo skills that I do. And I was kind of leading from that space, right? I was leading from that space to the fixed mindset. And I was leading from the space of like, any new job I encounter, I'm going to go even harder and like spend even more time, spend like a month leveling up and then apply for that one job and cater everything towards that. Right. Um, and I learned like little by little that like, I just had to get used to uh, what a rejection was. Right. And a lot of people kind of equate that rejection to their core skills or like their core self that they have to offer. But honestly, like all, all this is again, right. All interviewing and hiring is, it's a conversation, right. There's a thousand, like reasons why it wouldn't be a good match. Right. Um, they could literally want someone that has worked for a subscription service to be someone that works for their team. 
that's trying to build a subscription service. It could be something that's that specific of an experience that they're looking for, right? And you could have no control over that. So I think the best thing you can do in this process is treat these applications as conversations. And if you get rejected, it's just they didn't want to have that conversation just yet. And guess what? There's thousands of companies and there's thousands of job openings. The more you talk, the more jobs and companies you talk to, the better off you are in terms of moving through this process, right? So, um, yeah, go ahead, Billy. Don't, yeah, and don't be afraid to be picky either. Like, don't, you, you deserve respect as an applicant. Like, if somebody, if, 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 if a company, if you interview somewhere and then six weeks later, they don't, like, if you go six weeks without saying anything and they come back six weeks later wanting to discuss next steps, how do you think they're going to treat you once they hire you? They're probably right. not. They, they, they probably don't have that much concern. Like, just keep that in mind. Don't, don't, don't be afraid to like, like not move forward with, with the company. Yeah. And I was going to say like a lot of the times, like early on, how I approached it was like, I would kind of do the most to get the attention of the recruiter or the hiring manager. Right. And it would be like, please give me my first job. Right. That'd be kind of my approach. But one thing that you also need to remember is that this is an equal one-to-one conversation. You're mm-hmm. somebody that's trying to fill a role with a skill that is needed, right? Um, and a lot of people don't have that confidence or don't have that um, like self just belief and like, I'm actually the person that's gonna be offering a lot to this team, right? So it's very much like a equal matchmaking conversation. So you definitely wanna approach it from that angle rather than like, here's the recruiting manager or like the engineering manager that's interviewing me and you're kind of doing the most here to you know, plead them to give you this job, right? It's not that, it's you asking the questions to this person, right? Hey, what do you need? What are your everyday struggles in terms of, um, you know, filling up that empty spot that you have on your team, right? What does that person need to do? Here's the things I've done, right? I can't do all the seven things, but I can do these three things, right? Let's start the conversation there. It's about you asking the questions of their needs and trying to match make. That's all this thing is. So again, uh, we're at Apco. Uh, we try to kind of break this interviewing process. We try to reverse engineer for our clients. Billy, thank you so much for joining us today and giving your insights on growth mindsets and how you can use it, whether you are early in your career or whether you are someone who's established in your career or you're trying to break into the industry. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time um, and giving back. So thank you so much. Thank you, Edward.